you're going to have to excuse me because I'm a little bit worse for wear. I am in my pyjamas. It's a Saturday night. I'm not feeling so rock and roll today. I am full of cold. Uh, but I am here and I'm recording NHL fans from afar. This week, Jolon is in Slovakia. Uh, so you just have me and uh, we'll catch up with Jolon and Matt Day uh, as they are watching Team GB and the World Championships, um, seeing what's happening out there. We'll, we'll find out what's happening there. Uh, but recording the podcast in two parts. Uh, the second part will be with uh, Mark UK Leaf. Um, and Mark Rackham is another Toronto Maple Leafs fan who we've had on this podcast before. And also with uh, Paul Brown, who is a San Jose Sharks fan, uh, who's feeling pretty smug right now. You'll notice how Stephen Edwards, the Colorado Avalanches fan, didn't seem to be available uh, when we asked him to be free on this particular weekend. But hey, life gets in the way. Uh, but by co- complete coincidence, we stuck a tweet out this weekend saying, are there any... Carolina Hurricanes fans that happen to be living in the UK or outside North America and that just so happened to be one only you Paul you are the only Carolina Hurricanes fan that we know exists are there more of you do you think well you'd be surprised there's actually a few I've got a a friend I know through the the elite league um uh teams uh got a friend down south and um, near Sheffield, uh, Kim, she's a, a Kenyak and also got a friend down in Ayrshire who's a Glasgow clan fan as well. Um, uh, we talk pretty pretty much every other week about all things canes and stuff. Um, she used to live over in, in Raleigh as well. Um, so, yeah, there's a few of us. Not too many, <laughs> but there's a few of us. So I'm guessing from your accent, you're in Scotland. Is that I right? I am, yeah. yeah. Whereabouts are you? Uh, I'm in Glenrothes, Fife. Okay, okay. So how on earth is someone who's living near Fife come to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan? Well, it's a bit of a, a long story, really. Um, back in 1993, um, back in the days of the Sega Mega Drive, I got my first ever ice hockey computer game, NHLPA 93. And, um, you know, when you play these games, if you've not got a team, you've got to choose a team. So I chose the Hartford Whalers because my, my granddad had a brother that emigrated over there in the, in the 70s. So there was a family tie to the city of Hartford. So I went with the Hartford Whalers, of course. 1997, the team relocated from Hartford, Connecticut to at the time, just for a year in Greensboro, North Carolina, and then a year after they moved to, to Raleigh to the then RBC Centre, and uh, now it's called the PNC Arena. So uh, that's about the long and short of that. Um, so I've, I've been a Carolina Hurricanes fan since since they, they moved to the, the state of North Carolina. Um, I've been fortunate enough to go over a few times to see them play. I've played in a couple of... Uh, alumni charity games with ex-Carolina players as well. Um, I'm fortunate enough to call some of the Stanley Cup winners on the 2016 Friends as well. Wow. Still remain in contact with as well. Like who? Um, Mike Commodore's in in touch every now and again. Um, Aaron Ward, when he actually responds to tweets as well. Um, And... uh, Everybody's hero right now, Rod Brindamore, I would consider a friend as well. Um, I've 
I've actually played with and against him on these alumni games. So, uh, yeah, he's he's a he's a special guy, and uh, I'm I'm not surprised in the slightest by the success that he's had in his first year as head coach. Wow, gosh. So you mentioned that you play. What what position do you play? Is I'm guessing this is just for kicks for fun. Yeah, I just play for for um, a, a local recce team, beer league team, the the Kirkcaldy Kings. Uh, I normally play uh, left wing, but um, I'm versatile enough that I can play badly in every position. <laughs> <laughs> and are you a Five Flyers fan? I am. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's uh, that's a uh, we like. I I followed Manchester Storm uh, for a few years. Were you at the um, infamous game when Eric uh, Eric Nielsen Eric Carlson, my goodness me, Eric Nielsen uh, had the fight with the fan? Um, I, I was actually the the guy that he had the uh, the little altercation with um, was an ex teammate of mine. Oh, right. Um. So this is what happens when you you have fans drinking in the row behind the uh, the team benches. Um, that was funny, though, in, in a way. Well, I say it's funny now. I was terrified because yeah. I was there. We were on the away game, but um, we because uh, obviously there was a bit of a scuffle, wasn't there? Eric claimed he got beer in his eye. Then he kind of launched over the players' bench and kind of started to seem to have this altercation with the fan. Um, all allegedly, whatever, however people know word it. But then the fan got thrown out and it turned out he won the uh, 50-50, didn't he, that night? <laughs> that's right, yeah. That, that's, that was quite funny, that. And um, now that, that's interesting that you say that you're a Five Flyers fan because that particular rink is very old school, isn't it? You know, it's uh, got that, in terms of a barn, it's got that kind of real heated, um, intimidating kind of feel to it when you come as an away team or, or away fans. Very old oh, absolutely. school. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's one of these places that um, I remember when Todd Doetham first came to the Five Flyers back in, I think it was 1999. Um, I think he was at the Telford Tigers and, uh, and they hit money problems and basically a lot of their imports looked for jobs elsewhere. The Flyers picked him up and I remember at a, a, a players event one night he was talking about how um, he absolutely hated coming to play in Fife because it was such an intimidating atmosphere. Mm. It's not, not just the noise level but um, the fact that the fans are right on top of the, the, the play as it is um, just says everything about it. You've got people sitting in the penalty box with, with fans walking past and patting them on the shoulders and stuff like that because you know, there, there aren't any real penalty boxes in, in, in Kirkcaldy. Um, but there, there's loads of other things uh, that, that, that happen um, between fans and, and that that's it's a bit unsavoury and, and it's not nice to hear. But um, yeah, Fife Ice Arena's got a bit of a reputation for being a a volatile um, place to visit. Um, <laughs> fans, fans either love or hate it. Um, uh, I, I love it personally. Um, I, I think it's uh, completely different to anywhere else that you'll play. I um, think it's all right when you're the home team. Bit different. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I'm probably a little bit biased uh, on that front. But uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's there's guys back in the. Oh, the first NHL lockout, what, what year was that? Like 2000 and 
2003, maybe around then, I can't remember the year exactly, there was a the crossover league between uh, the, the, I can't remember if it's a, the Elite League or the Super League at the time, and the, 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 the British National League, and uh, a couple of the ex-NHLers, um, they absolutely loved it. It's a throwback to like rinks when, when they played when they were younger, guys like Eric Cairns and, and Scott Nicholl. Is it 2005, um, I think, the uh, the lockout was? Yeah, you could be right. I could be right. Um, now, see, but, I'm intrigued to know, as somebody who's followed the sport for quite a long time, you all have kind of seen this. Um, there's, there's a different feel, I think, to the NHL. We're, we're starting to see younger, faster players. You know, we're seeing the role of the enforcer disappear um fights are starting to disappear this is something that we've discussed on this podcast which we started um uh, only this season actually we started the night before the season began i've committed to do one every week and different people have different thoughts on this i miss that kind of physical element jolon who's my co-host um prefers the more skill and speedier side to the game where do you stand in that and I, I ask you this because I'm intrigued and I brought in my knowledge about what five flyers is like as a team just to kind of see whether there was any joining up of that well I mean five flyers have always been known as a, a, a finesse team a team that would rather play hockey than, than fight um, and and over the years the um, the, the, the local fan base has considered the team has been bullied all over the ice um, especially in recent years in, in, in the late league. Um, as far as I'm concerned, um, fighting does have a place in the sport. Um, I think sometimes um, the officials let too much go. Um, sometimes they call too much. Um, and sometimes it's a way of the players themselves policing the game themselves. Um but what are Carolina Hurricanes like as a team? I've got to hold my hands up, Paul, and say, look, your, your Carolina Hurricanes are a team that haven't made the playoffs in the last nine seasons. For me, yeah. we don't play very much as a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. So I, I've had to, in the last few weeks, really get to grips with who are the Carolina um, Hurricanes. What kind of, you know, if you had to sum up their style, how do you sum it up? Just a, a team that works hard on the forecheck, on the back check. Um, I think uh, if if you know Rod Brindamore as a player, um, you'd know the kind of um, team that he set out. He's looking for everybody to work hard every single shift. Everybody knows their job. They've got to go out. Um, I don't know if you've seen much of the the Hurricanes in the playoffs, the, the seven game series against uh, the the now outgoing Stanley Cup champions, the Washington Capitals. Um, mm. They're they're a pretty strong team, really high end skill, um, a lot of goal scoring in the team, and they did score a lot of goals against the the, the Hurricanes. Um, but I don't think what they expected was, um, well, given that they'd won every game in the regular season against the Hurricanes, was um, how hard the Hurricanes are to break down. Um, you know, the, the forecheck is so fast and on top, it's, it's not giving the defenseman time to settle the puck and, and move it out of the zone. Um, teams are struggling to create breakouts against the, the Hurricanes. 
uh, when they get through the neutral zone, it's clogged up and um, the, the defence is uh, ridiculously mobile back there. Um, you've got guys that can skate. Um, you've got young young players like uh, Brett Pesci and Jacob Slavin, who, who every year have been getting better and better. Um, and uh, they're, they're in their fourth years as Carolina Hurricanes. And... Uh, and a lot of people are, are, are starting to notice Jacob Slavin particularly um, because he's, he's putting up points. I think he's got um, 10 or 11 points in the, in the, in the postseason so far. Um, but it's not just the, the, the fact that he's, he's um, creating opportunities for, for guys to score. It's the fact that he's a proper shutdown defenseman. He's, he's, his stick seems to be everywhere. He's... Um, People are taking note and, and suggesting that potentially he could be a, a Norris Trophy candidate in the, in the next few years. Mm. What I find really fascinating, though, about Carolina is that I think I read somewhere that 11 of your players had no experience of playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It, um, could, be more, it could be more than that. Um, yeah, I think it's it had had never played in a playoff game, something like that, rather than had never won. Um, but but also how like you know you're the third or the start of the season, you were the third youngest team in in the league. Yeah. Um, and how I mean you you just you couldn't make up a better fairy story, could you? Four months ago, you were two points out of last place in the entire league. Now you're in the Eastern Conference Final. You had nine seasons without making the playoffs. Yep. And your last champion win, your only champion win, was 2005-2006, which is a long time ago. Um, yep. I mean, has this caught you by surprise? Um, I don't know if it's caught me by surprise, but um, last year I thought we, we had the players... Um, to, to give us a, a chance uh, to, to sneak in, but that, that wasn't to be. Um, a lot of a lot of people that I'm in contact with um, in in North Carolina, a lot of them put the blame on um, Bill Peters' coaching style and the fact of his um, forward deployment wasn't great. And um, this is your former coach. Yeah. And he he went on to do a great job in in Calgary this year, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that the the goaltending um, wasn't anywhere near as good as it needed to be to get anywhere near the playoffs, and this year um, they expected uh, Scott Darling to to have a a, um, a career year, um, but that wasn't to be. Um, it, it brought in uh, Peter Mrazek as uh, potential backup. Uh, he's ended up being our starting goalie. We picked up, um, well, you'll know Curtis McElhaney mm. um, off the waivers and that tandem has been absolutely brilliant for us this, this year. I think... Where are you up with Peter Morazic? Because he, he played in the first game against Boston the other day, which wasn't a win, but he'd had, you know, he'd had quite a... A high-profile exit, didn't he? Uh, when Curtis McElhenney just had to kind of step in in that second period uh, a few games ago. Yeah, Where game is he? Six, yeah, um, against uh, oh, game three, sorry, against um, New York. Hmm. Um, is he okay? What, what do you think? 
Yeah, I, I, well, I, I don't think he would have played uh, against Boston on uh, Thursday if if he wasn't um, fit enough. So? Um, Do you think? Because it's so important. This could be one of his only chances of getting his team or getting a Stanley Cup. You'd do anything, wouldn't you? You'd push through any pain. Yeah, but it's, it's not that. You, you look at the job that Curtis McElhaney did when he came in. He, 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 he didn't concede a goal in uh, game three. He won game four. Um, and uh, and, and he's, he's been pretty good all season um, as well. When, when I mean, the season was pretty much split between both goaltenders. So... Mm. Both goaltenders are re- re- reliable uh, um, goalies, but um, uh, if if Marazic wasn't good to go, then um, I think uh, McElhenney would have started. Yeah, do you know, I, I mean, I'm just going to have a look at St. Louis Blues now, actually, just to see cost-wise, your goalies are just ridiculously cheap aren't they I mean if we say that a lot of the success of teams this season have been down to having great goalies here are two goalies who are pretty much on peanuts compared to the contracts around the league it, it's incredible yeah that, that's it is, it's ridiculous I think if if not we're, we're definitely one of the cheapest teams in the league for, for salary cap. I think we're at 78 million, um, way, way below um, some of the, the, the big paying guys. Uh, I just think that's down to um, Tom Dundon, the, the, the new majority owner, and uh, Don Waddell, the general manager, doing a really good job. Yeah. Um, I spoke about Brett Pesci and, and uh, Jacob Slavin earlier on, those two guys were signed to five or six year contracts on like six million a year. Or and that's really cheap for the the kind of potential that they're starting to show. Yeah. Um uh Yeah, your biggest contract here, Jordan Stahl, six mil um till twenty two uh yeah. twenty three. So I mean yeah. Great. It, you know, it, it, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because when you, a lot of time with sport, people think it's all about money. Like, you know, the Chelsea, the Man Uniteds of this world um, mm-hmm. who come in and slap their billions of dollars and buy their way to success. Um, and how there are very quite, well, I'd say Toronto Maple Leafs is kind of almost like the Man United of the NHL, isn't it, really, without the success, obviously. Um, But the the money available, the draw, the history about that team, about that city, um, yet that's not what it's always about. And I've kind of been trying to figure out what, what makes a successful team is so difficult to define in the NHL, because here you have with, with the Canes, not a lot of experience. You don't have the big books, but you've got something which is almost um, undescribable, hard to kind of bottle up and package. Um, 
which other teams don't have. I mean, how, how do you describe that? Because I think certainly from what I'm reading about on the periphery, the, the what's happening in the locker room, the team ethics, um, the way the fans have really engaged in the bunch of jerks movement, there seems to be something different and something quite special about the Carolina Hurricanes right now. Yeah, well, I think it comes down to the leadership. Um, uh, Rod Brindham, um first-year head coach, um, arguably the hardest-working guy that's ever been in NHL. I don't know if you know the story about when he was back in college where his, uh, his coach at the time had to chain up the doors of the gym so he couldn't go and work out. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is a guy that won the Stanley Cup uh, with the Hurricanes. He's the captain. Um, uh, in the time that, that, that I've spent with him, uh, I always found him pretty quiet, a guy that only really spoke when he needed to speak. Um, but um, from the start of the season, he's been preaching, you know, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Mm. And, uh, and that's a great way to put it. Um, if you've got um, high-end guys taking nights off, um, you're not going to win. You yeah. know, if you've got an elite player and, uh, and he's not pulling his weight, you're not going to get third and fourth line guys scoring a couple of goals to, to, to win games for you. You but do not have to mention that to me because <laughs> the William Nylander, you knew that's what I was thinking, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not just that, um, uh, Austin Matthews didn't have a, as good a year as everybody was anticipating. Um, he still no, had he, good numbers. But... He didn't, but I think he showed on his face that frustration. And uh, I've had this... Um, discussion I'll call it with Jolon um where for me I've just like just trade William Nylander I'm over him whatever he just looks like he doesn't care but Jolon's argument was actually that was always Nylander's thing he always kind of just skates around and looks a little bit lost but then it just kind of clicked and that's how we had a really successful season last year but hey that's a different ball game but you're right with the with the the high profile stars you look at the I don't know, I'm thinking like Patrick Laine, when it wasn't clicking for him, and then it was, his team yeah. started to gel a little bit more. Um, Nathan McKinnon, was seeing the success with him and how much um, he and his line mates are really holding, you know, really held things up um, for them, uh, you know, right to the, to the very end. Um, so it's interesting what you say about, about the stars. I mean, uh, and let's just kind of take a few steps back then because – that first round against Washington Capitals, yeah. I mean, where was your head up? Did you feel that you even had a chance or you were a bit like, ah, oh, well, we made it this far. Thank God we were in the playoffs for once. Um, we'll probably, you know, we'll probably see the Capsule knock us out. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, despite being Scottish and us being a typically pessimistic uh, nation, um, I don't know. Um it's all, I mean, you, you've saw, you, you saw it yourself. Everybody saw it. The whole world saw it. Um, the, all four teams, all, all four teams that won their divisions this year, were eliminated by wild card teams. I mean, it doesn't matter how much or how well you play um, through the, the regular season. Um, you had Tampa Bay like losing only 15 games all season or something like that. Mm. Um, they hit the playoffs. It's a different beast. Intensity goes up, and that's when. Uh, that's, that's when play becomes more physical 
Um, it becomes more mentally draining for players as well. Um, and uh, like I said, all, all four division champions were eliminated. Is there um, something around the fact that, that you guys were really, the intensity that you were reaching um, was, you were almost at playoff intensity maybe three weeks before the playoffs started. Oh, no, so, it was way before then. Yeah. Um, so, so then you're already kind of at that level, whereas some of the guys who'd, like Tampa, who'd kind of coasted their way through and were just bored, you know, twiddling their thumbs, waiting. I mean, Toronto we were one of those teams. We were just like, okay, let's just sit back and wait for the playoffs. And then you can't just flick a switch. It takes a time. It takes a while to whir that machine into action. Yeah. But if you look at, you look at the hurricanes and, and St. Louis blues, you, you look at, um, round about Christmas time, both teams lying near the bottom of the, uh, the, the tables in their divisions, not looking great for um, playoff prospects. And then both teams um, had phenomenal success um, um, basically playing like, like, I mean, you, you watch an interview with, with Justin Williams, the, the, the Hurricanes captain, uh, leading up to, to the playoffs, that they're playing playoff hockey weeks before it's even there. So they're, they're having to play to that intensity to, to try and get in the playoffs. I mean, you look. You look at the last week of the the season. Um, the metropolitan metropolitan division being so stacked with good teams. Um, you, you had uh, Columbus sneak in in the last game. Um, so that, it was basically a shootout between Columbus or uh, the Habs getting in. Mm. Um, and yeah. uh, it's it's been an incredible season. Um, yeah, and then I, I guess, um, you know, sweeping New York Islanders was interesting. Um, and uh, we had a Pittsburgh Penguin fan on um, who very graciously came on after they were swept out by the Islanders. Um, bless them. That's always a good interview, isn't it? Someone's brave yeah. enough to still want to talk hockey after that. Um, and, and they just said that the Pittsburgh Penguins just didn't turn up. Um, night after night, it was like just game after game. The four games happened, and they were like, "Well, that's that then." Um, so people kind of then assume that New York Islanders had it in the bag again to to smash you. But maybe the fact that there wasn't that intensity, that wasn't that grit that they had to face in the first rounds, and like you guys had to, that they weren't really ready and they weren't operating at that same intensity that that you guys were. Well, I, I really don't know about that. Um, the, the New York Islanders played really well against the Hurricanes. It was a game of the um, goalies, wasn't it? That's for sure. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I watched game two and uh, I, can't, I can't remember the score. of that. We won by a goal. Um, but what I do remember is that the Islanders hit the, the, the face of the goal four times. They had a couple of scrambles in front of net there's a couple of pucks squeaked past Marazic and were cleared off the line. Um, that was a game that the Carolina Hurricanes should not have won. Mm. Um, I, I've been saying this to, to um, my friends and colleagues at, at work. Um, I, I genuinely cannot believe we came with a win in that game. If the Islanders won that game, the series is completely different. Um, but 
somehow, miraculously, the hockey gods decided that the Canes were winning that game and uh, took it back to Raleigh. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the atmosphere um, in the playoffs and, and Raleigh's second to none. Um, it's incredibly loud. Um, and, uh, yeah, because you guys have got the decibel meter, haven't you, that they, yeah. they keep putting on the screens. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think one of the... Uh, one of the Fox Sports presenters, he's got a handheld one and he's standing at ice level with this handheld one and it's going to 118, 120 decibels. I, I mean, mean, as someone who did an acoustics degree, 120 decibels is basically the sound of a plane taking off not that far away from yeah. you on the runway. Yeah. Yeah. But th- th- there's been a whole change in, in Carolina this year. In, uh, the, the, the playoff runs obviously helping, but... Uh, when Tom Dundon um, bought in as the majority uh, owner last year, he wanted changes. He saw that the that the fan base was the potential there to bring more more and more people in. Um, I mean, there's that infamous uh, Don Cherry bunch of jerks um, rant that yeah. he had. What, what do you think about, about that? What do you think um, about Storm Surge as well? Was it something that you enjoyed or as a long kind of term fan, was it just a, a necessary bit of nice publicity? You know what? I, I thought it was great. Um, you know, it was, it was always great getting up in the morning, coming down to have my breakfast and watching the highlights, watching the win and seeing, seeing what the, the, the players came up with. So, some of them were, were, <laughs> were brilliant. Um, especially the Vander Holyfield one um, and uh, my son he absolutely loved them as well um, it's just one of these things I, Don Cherry like anyone he's entitled to his opinion he, he didn't like it um, but the, the, the Hurricanes marketing team have done a phenomenal job uh, running with this bunch of jerks um, uh, theme I mean I had friends send me over a t-shirt yeah um, <laughs> last week, my, my baseball hat arrived uh, with a bunch of jerks. Um, I was out in Edinburgh yesterday, and uh, one of my friends, who's a season ticket holder in uh, North Carolina and, um, in Raleigh, um, his son's at university in, in Edinburgh, and uh, he sent over a, a hoodie for me and everything like that. So, wow. Um, the fan base over there is superb. I mean, I, I first went to, to a game in uh, 2011, um, my wife and I were on holiday in uh, in Florida with uh, her parents and her sister, and um, my son was there as well. Um, and we took it upon ourselves, me, the father-in-law, my brother-in-law, flew up to North Carolina to take in the the, the home opener against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, so we spent the day up there. Uh, I mingled with friends that I'd met on the message boards um, over the years. Um, I had my kilt on. Everybody was was loving that. Um, we're tailgating in the parking lot. Um, Jeff O'Neill was um, walking around the par- parking lot, just getting his photo taken with everybody, um, and it was an incredible event. Um, and this stuff happens all the time. Uh, it's so far this year through the playoffs, it's just it's been phenomenal. People, because of the storm surge, um, people have taken note and they've went, "Oh, we want to go and see what this." So I think they've went from twelve and thirteen thousand um, at the start of the year going to games, uh, steadily building because of the storm surge, and uh, now now in the playoffs are 
are having capacity crowds, record crowds in 19,500. It's phenomenal. Um, but again, Don Cherry is entitled to his opinion uh, and it's good enough that the, the Hurricanes marketing team have been smart enough to, to, to run with the ball with that one and, and, and make money. <laughs> right, this thing with Boston Bruins, okay? I, uh, I don't think I need to go into how I feel about the Boston Bruins. Um, they're not my favourite team. Are you going to get this done against them? Um, I hope so. Um, the uh, the regular season was pretty close against them. The, uh, we had a win, a loss, and an overtime loss against them. Um, I don't know if you saw the the, the highlights of, of game one. Um, Hurricanes were 2-1 up uh, going into the third period. Uh, they're running into penalty trouble. Um, it was probably the most ridiculous penalty I've ever seen called um, on Dougie Hamilton. He's a uh, trying to shield himself as the puck comes round the, the kick boards. He braces himself for a hit. Guy comes in and hits him. Uh, he absorbs the hit and he gets called for roughing. <laughs> and then Boston score off that power play. I'm not saying the referees um, were at fault for, for, for that. The, the Hurricanes have got a, a pretty good, uh, or they did have a pretty good um, penalty kill, but Boston's power play was phenomenal. They, they scored... Uh, two power play goals and an empty net goal and then a breakaway goal at the end. Um, mm. To I mean, the 5-2 the, the scoreline, I'm pretty sure that any Boston fan would uh, would say was uh, flattering. Um, but, you know, that that's why these games are, uh, these series are, are seven games. I mean, the, 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 the consistently best team goes through, got to win four games. So we're only one game in, game two tomorrow. Um, we'll get to see that one because it's a matinee game. Yeah, so what it's do you, a, an 8pm face-off for us. <laughs> How are you feeling about the other side, the other um, the Western Conference? Who are you feeling between St. Louis Blues and San Jose Sharks? Have you been following much of that side? Um, not really. Because um, we yes, often say, yes, actually, no. how it's, it's difficult enough following this sport in the regular season, but in playoffs it just gets ridiculous. We're trying to fit in real life as well. Yeah, I mean, um, the playoffs coming around, it, it becomes a bit of a circus. You know, everybody wants to have an interview. And, you know, I sit on Twitter every morning before I go to work, um, having my breakfast, and there's at least five different outlets showing five different interviews where we head coaches telling the same thing and everything like that. Um, so, I mean, we're getting lots of information and we're getting player interviews and everything like that for every single team. It's, it's got to be hard for the, the coaches and the players, um, let, let alone the fans, trying to figure out what's going on with their teams. Um, How do you watch but, the games? Do you watch them live, or do you turn all your notifications off and you do it in the morning when you've got uh, a clear head? <laughs> Depends. Uh, if, if I'm working in the morning... Um, uh, Obviously, I'm sleeping, but if I get up through the night, um, I have a, a little glance at my phone to see if there's any notifications, and then uh, then I have a sneaky look and and, and see what the, the scores are at. Um, Do you? See, I, I just gave in in the playoffs. I decided 
I'm just going to see what the score is and then go from there. And uh, I was told by other fans that that was blasphemous. Um, and even even when Toronto were playing, I was like, no, I'm going to have some sleep and I'm going to get up in the morning early and I'm just going to watch the game. And some people like to keep it secret and they go to extreme lengths. And, and as the season has gone on, I have just let that go. I have just uh, learned to see the score and then go watch the game when I've got a clear head. Uh, I'm in my 40s, so I, I get up to go to the bathroom a couple of times through the night. So um, I, I can't help myself, but uh, but have a look and see what the, the, the scores are at. Um, uh, usually only the Hurricanes score when, when they're playing, but um, if the games are on a Friday or a, a Saturday night, um, I always stay up for them. Um, my wife and I sit in a, well, I sit and watch the, the game. She kind of sits in the background trying not to, to jinx anything by asking questions all the way through and stuff like that. But um, <laughs> uh, oh. no, um, I'm every bit as passionate as you'll find any any fan of any team. Um, I've, I've just got to know. I've, I've just got to know. The, the, the Game 7 against Washington was a difficult one because... Uh, I was up early the next morning and that, that game went into overtime and mm. it just seemed that I was up um, every 30 minutes to look at my phone to see what the score was. <laughs> um, and then, then when we did win, it took me about two hours to, to come off a high and go back to sleep. <laughs> uh, so by the time I got to sleep, I was getting up from my work. Take me back. Let's dream, you know, that right now, this is in your hands, isn't it, really, of what could be and where this could go um, more so than has been in the last nine seasons. But what do you remember of 2006, the year that the Hurricanes <laughs> won the Stanley Cup? Uh, that's a bit of an awkward question, to be honest. Mm. Um, uh, in 2006, when we won the Cup, uh, I, I just split up with my my first wife then yeah so uh and and uh basically the the hurricanes helped keep me um out of the doldrums um uh, and that, that was phenomenal um i was off my work at the time um i'd just come out of hospital actually um from an operation so i was off for about six weeks and um, before I went back to work, and uh, so I was able to stay up and, and watch all the games. I think I can't remember. Correct me if I'm wrong. The, the, the games were shown on either Channel Four or Channel Five at the time. Yeah. Um, whereas now uh, we don't have that luxury. Um, mm -hmm. uh, now I just watch them on NHL Game Center. So um, I, I'm lucky that way. Um, but if, even back then. Um, I couldn't believe uh, um, the, the run that we were on, um, especially after the Montreal series, um, when it looked like um, we were dead and buried. Uh, I came back and won three games to go through 4-3. Um, that was incredible. Um, it's like they knew that you needed that pick-you-up then, Paul. Maybe, um, maybe. <laughs> so, well, we can't we can't bottle out now because Paul needs us. We need to keep this going all the way through to the end. Yeah, hopefully they do that this time as well. Uh, <laughs> I've grown this ridiculous grey and ginger 
uh, playoff beard. Um, I've been I've been getting uh, been getting made fun of at work uh, and by a lot of my friends because of the uh, the colour. Um, so hopefully they do a good enough job and uh, make it all worthwhile for me. Yeah, and hopefully the beard will bring you some luck, right? You're not going to cut it off until you've made it all the way through. No, absolutely not. And my wife likes it. Um, I absolutely hate it. Um, <laughs> it's really sore. My, my facial hair is it's so coarse. Um, I don't know, maybe I need to go out and buy some uh, beard oil or something. <laughs> yeah, just uh, just tap up one of your contacts at the Canes to come and give you give the beard a massage, and uh, that could be your payment for your dedication for the team and the support. I suppose uh, that works for me. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it, hockey? Because you then end up meeting a lot of these people who you speak to on Twitter or podcasts or Slack, but you end up yeah. kind of having a bit of banter, don't you? And you you think of these people when they're when these things come up. Yeah, I mean, like, when I went over, um, when we were in Florida and we flew up to North Carolina for that, that, that first game, I'd, I'd met a guy who, he'd, he'd, uh, he'd contacted me on the message boards saying, are you really Scottish? And I'm like, yeah, 100% born and bred, lived here, never lived anywhere else. Um, and uh, he says that he, he fell in love with Scotland after watching the movie Gregory's Girl back in the 80s. And, uh, <laughs> I'm like, you fell in love with Scotland watching a film set in Cumbernauld. Jeez. And uh, and we're really good friends now. Um, so when we flew up to, to North Carolina from, from Florida, um, uh, he kept, it was a Friday. He kept his kids off school. He stays about two hours from Raleigh. Came and picked me, um, my father-in-law and brother-in-law up and uh, took us to our hotel next to the arena. Spent a day with him, tailgated. One of the guys that um, that he hangs out with at the tailgates, um, his mother uh, was from Helensborough, just outside of Glasgow. Um, and we've gotten uh, pretty close with him and a couple of his friends. So when I went over in 2015 for the first alumni game, I stayed with um, our friends Brad and Sean, who we met at that tailgate party. Um, and then... Uh, the following year was the 10-year anniversary alumni game of the Stanley Cup win. So all the guys, all the alumni players that were playing in that game were Stanley Cup winners with the Hurricanes. Um, wow. And uh, so I went I went over that year. Um, the first year I just went over with my, myself. And then uh, 2016, it was um, my wife Claire and my son Aaron. Uh, and because of the contacts I'd made the year before, um, I've got friends in the media staff and everything. Um, uh, my son managed to get um, a ridiculous amount of opportunities um, to see and do things. Um, uh, one of our friends, her kids play for the Junior Hurricanes. So my son was able to go and train with them. Um, I don't know if you remember a player called Steve Rice ex-Hurricanes player, ex-New York. He was first-round draft pick for the New York Rangers. Um, I'd played with him the year before in the 2015 alumni game. He came up to have a look at my kid and give him a bit of coaching techniques, gave him a few presents and everything like that, signed photos. And, um, wow. And, and, and he's still in touch. Um, it's just phenomenal how... I mean, I think things are a bit different in the South, Um in the States than they are anywhere else in, in the States. 
I mean, you've got all these people who go to see New York Rangers and Toronto Maple Leafs and Boston Bruins and maybe Montreal Canadiens. These are all big market teams that are places that are easy to get to. But for a team like the Hurricanes and for a guy like me to go over um, and be a fan, everybody's like, oh, this is awesome. A guy from, from Scotland. Um, I mean, that, that first alumni game that I played in, uh, it, it was absolutely ridiculous. The the focus that was on me. Um, I, I had uh, live TV interviews on Fox Sports Carolinas and Southeast. I had uh, newspaper interviews, podcast interviews, website interviews, um, just because I came from Scotland. Um, it's phenomenal. And, and off the back of that, a lot of people followed me on Twitter and, and all these people are, are are still friends now. Um, that 2016 alumni game, the, the Stanley Cup anniversary game, one of the guys that was playing in the game with me. That I mean, it's it's a charity game, so you've got you've got to pay. I think that was four thousand American dollars to play in the game. But it's a hell of a lot of money. But you know, if you're getting to skate with your idols, it's worth every penny. Genuinely, is. Mm. But one of the guys that paid like me to pay to play. Uh, was the in arena announcer for the Carolina Hurricanes, a guy called Wade Minter. He's been over on holiday twice to come and visit me since then. So um, you, you forge these relationships and, uh, you know, he's always sending stuff over at me. I'm sending stuff over to him. Um, it, it's ridiculous. The way social media is nowadays, the world's so small and everybody tends to to be able to get in contact with everybody and, and, and it's, it's great. I mean, I've, I've got lifelong friends. I mean, I might not go back to Raleigh now for another 10 years, but if I go back in 10 years' time, all these people will all want to come out for a drink and everything like that, even though they haven't seen me in so long. It's, it's great. It's amazing, isn't it, that all this started from you playing a video game? Yeah, it is. It's a, a video game 25 years ago. Who would have thought that? If someone had said that to me then, I'd have been like, you're off your head. So we wake up on a Sunday morning. Uh, I still feel ill, but the sun is shining. And uh, I imagine for the next person that we're talking to on this podcast that maybe he's in a good mood today. Uh, the smugness continues, doesn't it, Paul Brown, San Jose Sharks fan? How are you today? I'm oh, good. I'm not smug, though. I have to stop you there. <laughs> but I'm very happy. <laughs> I did stay up late last night, and I've had three cups of coffee, and I'm still all right and buzzing. So, yeah, all is good. The sun is shining. It's a beautiful day. Wow. Okay, let's just let's just recap this game one then, because I've just watched the highlights. Obviously, I, I got up this morning. I haven't watched the whole game. Um, some of us are allowed to sleep, um, but it, it looks like you were really strong in game one. You dominated. That there was no point where they had the lead. You kept the lead. They tied early on, but wow, some amazing goals. That that fourth goal by Mia was incredible. Yeah, and Kuchar coming through strong again. He's been kind of the kind of the leader for this team with um, Pavelski missing for a lot of the last series, but. This, this Sharks team just got so much depth. They can hit you with four lines and the scoring even from the, the D-men is, is sensational. So a good start. I thought Bennington was supposed to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. But 
wow i mean it's i i was just i just thought yeah dom dominated but then when you look at the stats actually you only converted one in four power plays yeah um they outshot you they out hit you yeah you had a bit more possession but I, it didn't feel like that just watching the highlights anyway no, it's, it's been that way through the, the last couple of series as well. I mean, the Sharks are a possession team, so they're always pretty much going to get out-hit. But a lot, of the, a lot of the times when they're out-shot, it's teams chasing, chasing a game, pulling a, a net mine there and, and desperately trying to, to turn it around again. So I suspect quite a lot of those shots, the Blues had, were at the end of the, the game in that kind of situation. But from, from what I've seen really throughout this, this postseason, they've, they've been the aggressors, the Sharks, which is, a, which is great to see through most of it. I think what's also interesting with, with the Sharks right now is that you look at the um, NHL stats, like the playoff stats, and, the, and, and there are so many players from the Sharks that are featuring in the top 10 right now. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to points, assists. I mean, Carlson still hasn't scored, has he, in, in the playoffs, but he's right up there with, with points because of his assists. Mm. Um, Hurtle, Couture had an amazing game last night. Um, so you're, you're right, it, it, that depth is what's really kind of shining. I don't think there's another team in the postseason that has quite as many weapons. Um, the Sharks' problems come in, in other areas, but they've certainly got the firepower to, to go all the way. And that, that's what all Sharks fans will obviously be hoping. But there's a lot of players in, in that team who have been around for a long time and haven't won it. And I think they're, they're just desperate to do it this season. This, this team, because of the, the contract situation for a lot of them and the age of some of these players, it, it might not, this might be their one shot as this lineup. And certainly, you know, what, what happens with Joe Thornton in the summer we, we don't know it, it could be his last chance to, to actually do it and go all the way so I think they know that and they're playing that kind of desperation hockey what about Martin Jones he's been phenomenal people asked a lot of questions about him before the playoffs but I think the Sharks always believed that um, he had it in him and that he, he, he would bring his A game and he certainly has um, the Sharks are not the kind of team that are going to uh, hold you scoreless in, in many games but Jones when he's been under pressure has just really turned up I can't remember too many bad games that he's had at all in the playoffs really the last two series he's been not faultless but as good as just about anyone out there and, and he's, he's helped make a difference So is it a case of when he needed to turn it on he turned it on at the right time? Yeah I think so yeah I mean it's Look, he may have a bad game in game two. Who knows? The Blues might find a way to, to solve him. But he's been consistently good now for the last five or six games. So I'm, I'm, I'm quite confident in him at the moment. Mm. Let me just bring someone else in um, who's, who's joined us today. Mark, UK Leaf. How are you doing, Mark? Um, for this time on a Sunday morning, I'm doing very well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, but you haven't been up all night watching games, have you? <laughs> no, but I've just I've just come off a rough working schedule, so I'm I'm not really feeling it this morning. But I'm I'm really looking forward to watching some hockey today. Yeah. So it, I mean, basically, I guess Paul convinces why we should get behind Sharks uh, <laughs> over the over the next week. Why should we choose to watch your games and support your team? Support. Oh, oh there's so there's so many storylines there, but you're not going to see much more high skill hockey than than the Sharks are playing at the moment. I mean, the, the level of talent in that team is, is unreal. I don't think there's another team left in the postseason that has the kind of stick handlers, goal scoring and unreal moves that you're going to see from, 
from any of this from, from, from any any team in, left in the playoffs. So just get behind them. But as I said before, um, Thornton, Burns—they've been around for a long time. This could be their one shot to win the cup, and the storylines there are amazing. Are you convinced, Mark? Um, I'm not really too sure what to make of the series. I think it's I think it's almost nailed on to go to full seven games. Um, I think San Jose have done a hell of a job. I think, I think even the most ardent uh, Sharks fan would admit they've had a little slice of luck along the way in the Vegas series. Um, in game seven against Colorado with McKinnon, you know, not really playing the whole game, but they've, they, they deserve to be where they are right now. Um, I, just, I fear for the Sharks if it goes seven games. I wonder how much gas they've got left in the tank. But I think it's going to be a fantastic series to watch for sure. In the tank, get you with your puns. <laughs> that is true, though. They played a lot of hockey. They played more hockey than any other team in it, and Burns has played more hockey himself than any other player in the the postseason. So you do have to wonder a little bit about that. That is true. Mm. What about the Avalanche series? So we were enjoying a lot of the banter between you and Stephen Edwards on Twitter, um, <laughs> various pokes and jibes and stuff. But it, it certainly looked to be a really exciting season to watch. How was it as a fan? For, from the Sharks' point of view, you mean? Well, I guess so. Yeah, I'm yeah. guessing you're not going to give me the Avalanche's point of view. <laughs> no, uh, it was great. It was a great series. There's lots, so many swings and, and momentum shifts in it. I, I thought the Avs took so much punishment at times and there were... Uh, dicey calls either way that, that kind of swung some of those games but it was just a really good high scoring high skill series and you were never quite sure which way it was going to go I, I thought going into it that Vegas were a harder match up for the Sharks and the Avs almost proved me wrong they did take it to seven games I still thought the Sharks would win it and they did get lucky on that that one that one call that one play but there were other times in the series you could say the same thing happened to the Avs so I, I thought the right team won in the end, but it was great to watch. Mm. What about the Finns? I know uh, you're a big fan of Finnish players. We went into that with your episode a bit earlier in the season. Um, give me your Finn update. Who is your favourite Finn right now? And that can include the World Championships as well. I'll throw that in. Yeah, I've been watching a little bit. Kako looks a good player, doesn't he? I've not seen a lot of him, but um, he's done it in the in the juniors before and he looks like he could come into the NHL and, and tear it up if he has a good start. Um, my favourite Finn, so many to choose from. Um, I do I do like Sebastian Aho, I must say, for the Canes. He's one of, one of my favourite players. Really sneaky, really high-skilled, always seems to find a scene in the right place on the ice, a real, a real good creator. But I've just got a little soft spot for Eunice Donskoy. He gets um, overlooked a bit in that Sharks team, but occasionally he comes up very, very big. He scored a big goal in the last series against the Avs. I think he scored their first finals goal in the history of the franchise. He's just really... He's someone who always gives you everything and doesn't always play, but when he does, he makes a difference. <laughs> World champs, um, Great Britain play Canada today. Are you going to be following uh, or are you kind of doing a, a million other things with some big football games happening around the next few days? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm on the way to Brighton in a bit to see City. So that will distract me a little, I think, from, <laughs> from the hockey. Kind of a big game, but I should try and follow it, yes. Good stuff. Well, it's been great to catch up with you, Paul. Uh, let's find out what happens in the next couple of weeks and we might uh, speak to you. Maybe, maybe if it ends up being a Hurricanes and Sharks Stanley Cup final, we get you and our Canes fan head-to-head -head at the same time. 
I really hope it is, you know, I'd like to see that happen. That would yeah. be nice. I have That'd to say, great series. So I, much think, talent. I think me and Mark would prefer that one as well. Uh, I de- I, yeah, I definitely want Carolina to win, but that's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, have a great day. Enjoy the, uh, enjoy the footy. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Mark, how are you doing? How's it been? How is, uh, uh, is your heart mended um, after what happened a few weeks ago? The thing that we can't talk about because it feels still too painful for me. Um, to be honest, yes. I was more disappointed after... My disappointment came after he didn't, after Toronto didn't clinch in Game Six. After that, I just kind of felt Game Seven. It was almost inevitable. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, I've got so much of the like, hockey to focus on, and so much more writing to do as well. So it's kind of distracted me. But watching the way the playoffs have gone, it's you kind of sitting there like thinking, "What if?" You know. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have to say. I mean, I really admire the fact that you get to throw yourself into other things and other hockey because I've really struggled to... What, and I was quite open about this when we started doing this podcast that when my team disappear at the playoffs, I really struggle to keep like, actually focused on what's going on um, because you don't devote so much time and energy to your players, to your coach, to your team, to your colours that it's a bit like, oh, that's my season over now. And you just want to switch off and think about something else. So it's been quite good that there's been a lot of chaos around the playoffs to kind of switch things up a little bit. But it, the last two weeks have really, it's been hard work, I think. It's the only way I could describe it, which probably is not fair, really, because you, you're throwing up the AHL at the moment. There's some big games last night, wasn't there, where they went to, did it go to double overtime in one or so? Yeah, something like that. I haven't had the chance to catch up yet, but um, it's been some really, um, it's been it's been a, quite a few sweeps. Uh, but there's also been some really uh, interesting hockey. Um, it's intriguing because the teams out west I don't really get to see much of, but um, there's some really competitive um, hockey being played, and there's some uh, there's some guys putting up big numbers and, and stuff. And um, th- those are the stories that kind of you know they they go um, unnoticed because the NHL playoffs are on right now, but. Um, I'm sure once it gets to the final stage um, with Toronto and, and Carolina, uh, their affiliates playing in the next round, I'm sure that will generate uh, a bit more interest in the East at least. Mm. So you tweeted today saying that today was a day that you never thought was going to happen where Great Britain play Canada um, in a major hockey championship. Uh, have you followed much of Team GB over the last few months and, and over the last few days? Yeah, well, I've been following, well, I've been writing about it for qu- quite a few years now. I, I can't remember exactly when uh, I did, but um, sort of following their progress, um, watching sort of how they were, how they were getting on. Um, and it's, 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 it's been a fun ride, actually. They, they implemented, I'm not, I'm not sure how many people know this, but they implemented, I think it was a five-year plan to go where they were, sort of the, the third tier, to get into the top top echelon of world hockey and uh, you know they've used quite a few players during that time but um, the coaching staff has been fairly settled with Pete Russell um, and it, it's been really really fun to watch how they've you know it wasn't fun to watch the first two times when they won silver medals when they should have won promotion hmm. slow build until last year when against all expectations they won the gold medal uh, which was fantastic, um, and they, you know, they have, they have some really 
you know, decent players who could play at, at you know, in a higher league than the, uh, than the elite league with all due respect to the elite league. And, um, I think this tournament is, is going to be huge for the game in this country. I think, I think a few of the players might find themselves, um, you know, possibly earning opportunities elsewhere. And that's, that's a massive thing for hockey in this country. It also seemed to be that uh, a lot of the teams in the elite league had used it as an opportunity for perhaps some of the North American players who wanted to play for their country and get a medal. And if they had dual citizenship, like, you know, GB and Canadian, the chances of getting into the Canadian team must be so slim. Uh, but to have the opportunity to get in the GB team seemed to be quite real. And I certainly know uh, when I was covering things a couple of years ago that there were some players like Mike Hammond, for in- instance, who scored the goal yesterday uh, for Team GB against Germany. He was very much focused that he would like to play for Team GB and get that medal. So that was an attractive opportunity for him to come and play in this country Um because then he got to kind of know the connections and have a better chance of being called up. Um, I, I wonder whether it kind of has worked both ways in that sense, because people yesterday were also saying um, about, uh, oh, I've forgotten the name of the goalie for Team GB. Why has it gone blank? Ben Bounds. Ben, ben Bounds, yeah. Cardiff, Ben Bounds. Um, that this goalie should be playing in the NHL, I read on one tweet. Um, so it kind of seems to be raising profile both ways, do you think? Well, you you raised an interesting point um, with the dual nationalities because that was a big thing. The last time GB were at this level was 1994. But a team, I don't have the numbers to hand, but a team uh, they fielded during that tournament was mostly made up of dual nationalities uh, for as far as I can remember. Um, And now it's it's gone the other way where the dual nationalities are much fewer. I want to say there's maybe three, possibly four on the roster. You've got a team made up mostly of, of you know, of G, GB players, you know, they're not dual nationalities, which I think is a great thing because yeah. you want to encourage, you, you want the next Liam Kirk to come along, you know, um, you want those guys to, uh, to, to come afterwards. So, but yeah, having those guys is obviously going to help you because they, you know, they've, they've, they've got the skills. You've got a guy like uh, Pellini who almost scored yesterday. Um, so I think you need to find a balance in that respect. But um, I, think, I think as far as whether the dual nationality should play, not everyone thinks they should. Um, I think if a, you know, if a guy is willing to come over here uh, and play in the league and put themselves up, then, then sure, I don't, I don't have an issue with it. Mm. As for Ben Bounds, um, NHL, I'm not quite sure about that. <laughs> yeah. But, but um, I think he, whether he would or not, I'm not sure he would want the opportunity to play elsewhere. But I would not be surprised if he's offered, uh, you know, um, come to our training camp, wherever, Sweden, somewhere in Europe. He, he's, he's been a consistent performer. He's been the best, you know, British goalie in the Elite League for quite a while now. So this is no surprise to me. It's great to see so many other fans from other countries seeing how good, you know, we are, but especially our goaltender. Yeah. How old is he? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. I want to say, Google. yeah, I want to say he's 28. Well, that's well old, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> let's say bed bounds here we go elite prospects 28 wow there you go you know your stuff um let's talk other things because i know uh Jolan and matt are having the times of their lives out in um in slovakia 
um, I'd be poking fun that he that Jolan has not dressed up uh, appropriately compared to some of the outfits that I've seen on Twitter at this place. Um, but let's look back at, at NHL playoffs. What what have you enjoyed? What's been your highlights? My highlight has been the Carolina Hurricanes upsetting Don Cherry. That has been the highlight of the player <laughs> for me. That and um, and Greg McKeg, who is I have a bit of a man crush on since he was in Toronto and he's playing for Carolina Hurricanes. For those who don't know, he's a fourth line center, basically. And seeing that guy, he's the nicest guy. I've got to meet him a couple of times. Seeing him have success with that team, been fantastic. And I love the way that organization has handled themselves. Um, no one gave them a chance against Washington. You know, then they played the Islanders and it's like you know, the Islanders are on this big role and they, they beat them as well. And now they get to play Boston. And yeah. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a great series. But definitely following Carolina has definitely been the, the highlight for me. But also, I'd say on a side note, um, watching the Blues do well. Um, you know, they were no one really spoken about them this year um, after being sort of favourites in previous years and um, seeing them slowly make their way to this stage. And you know, I think, you know, the Blues, I don't want to upset Sharks fans, but I think the Blues against... Uh, the Hurricanes in the final would be a really interesting matchup. Yeah, wouldn't it? You know, the two teams that only weeks ago were sat near the bottom of the league. Well, they were. Blues were the bottom, weren't they? And Canes were like second from bottom just a few weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. It it's incredible, great. isn't it? Last time I spoke to you and, and Steve was on the podcast, we were talking about, you know, teams making late runs into the postseason and, and carrying that on through the playoffs. And it happens, you know. You don't often see a couple of teams doing it, but um, you normally get one. And uh, yeah, that would be uh, it. Would be amazing to see a wild card team make it into the uh, into the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, and a great um, a great advocate for the sport as well. Really, um, that you know, if you want predictable, go to the NBA. If you want something weird and crazy, come to the NHL. Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, I don't, I, I don't follow the NBA, NBA enough, but I know, you know, it's the same, it's the same sort of three or four teams that are in the mix at the, at, at the end. But um, mm. I think with the NBA, with the way the divisional format is right now, it kind of it offers that more opportunity because you get you're getting technically you're getting the better teams knocked out of the competition earlier. Um, I wonder how things would have fared if it was a one-to-eight conference format instead of what we have right now. <laughs> you know, but, yeah. um, but, you know, Tampa lost to, to Columbus, so who knows? It's, it's crazy. So the Columbus-Boston series, did you catch much of it? I've got to be honest, I bits and pieces. Um, it, was, it was certainly entertaining. You couldn't say it was short of action. You know, um, Boston continuing to do what Boston do, which is seemingly get away with murder, pretty much. But mm. they they continue to do it, and they keep rolling, and they keep, you know, whether it's Tukarask or Brad Marchand, you know, someone comes up big for those guys, and they continue to, but, you know, I've, as much as I dislike them, I have the greatest respect for that team. They continue to find, you know, ways to win. I mean, Brad Marchand is, uh, was sat at the top of the... Um postseason points table for a good week I think Logan Couture overtook him last night he had a great game um, but it's like the guy that we love to hate um, and unfortunately he's he's shining isn't he I just feel that for me I just 
I can't, I, they just annoy me so much that I just don't really want to watch anything that has Boston Bruins in. So if they end up going to the final, I'm going to have to really like just be clawing my desk, just forcing myself to watch the games um, because I hate them that much. But the, I suppose with Columbus, it's like working out, are they happy with the way that their season went and what will happen to um, uh, Panarin and Bobrovsky as a result of this playoff run that they've had? Do we think they're going to stay there is the next question. Will Columbus be happy that this is the best playoff run that they've ever had? Is that enough for them? Um, that Those are all the questions. I've not actually had chance to watch uh, any of Tort's kind of post-season um, presses or anything like that. I've not read any of the athletic write-ups on kind of analysing their season, but it feels like of some of the big contracts that are going to happen after the Stanley Cup's done, that's kind of the one that most people's eyes are on. Yeah, I think um, I did see a little bit of a Tortorella um, presser. Uh, he wasn't happy. He never is. Um, someone asked him a question he didn't like. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they kind of went all in. Um, you know, they only just sort of scrambled into the to the playoffs. Um I mean, they they wanted to win it. You know, this was this was their short window. I don't see either of those guys sticking around, but you never know. Funnier things have happened, I guess. But um, you know, it's it's you could argue it's a big point in that franchise. You know, where do they go from here? Which direction do they take? I don't follow um, sort of that team closely enough to know. Um, they have a couple of decent prospects in the organization. Whether those guys and take the step up I'm not too sure but um, yeah I wouldn't be surprised if they um, if they struggled for a couple of years now and look to rebuild but um, yeah I'd be interested to see how they how they sort of embark upon the next stage after this um, I don't know the Tortorella thing is um, his his impact is sort of very short-lived because of the way he coaches you know he's very full-on I think that message wears thin on players after a after a while so yeah I think that'll definitely be one to keep an eye on it looks like um just a quick google then that Bobrovsky is uh selling uh his uh one of his apartments or his apartment um downtown uh wherever it is in in Columbus uh, just <laughs> just googling Columbus Blue Jackets news so obviously everyone's jumping on that saying he's gone Roski will be gone, reads one headline. <laughs> yeah, that, that's almost Toronto-esque in how sort of people <laughs> yeah. are, uh, you know, looking at what, what guys are doing. Look, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he's gone, you know. Uh, there's been a lot of rumours sort of in the last few weeks. So, yeah, that, that wouldn't be a big shock. It'd be interesting to see where, which team would take him on because uh, he's, uh, he's a bit Jekyll and Hyde, that guy. I'm not sure I'd, you know, I'm not sure I'd... Um, sort of bank my future on him but um he's he's gonna wherever he goes i'm sure he's gonna get paid one of the the teams that i had in my mind and i can't remember why was florida panthers yeah that um, that, that was one of the teams that was mentioned yeah mm, so we'll watch out what else have you been kind of interested in have you been following in this stuff to do with like the trophies and that kind of jazz as well I've got to admit, from from personal point of view, the the individual trophies don't hold um, too much interest for me. Um, a lot of them are sort of you know other people's opinions on players, and you know that's 
those are really just to cause a bit of debate and you know uh, generate some excitement um but um to be honest i think i'm a bit like you when uh, you know when your season finishes for your team i kind of i phase out a little bit i catch watch series and stuff and i i kind of i just watch hockey for hockey's sake mm. and i kind of i pull back from sort of who's going to win this award who's going to win that award um i just I just feel it's a real shame that um, some of the, the best players in the NHL are not playing right now. But on the flip side to that, there's some really intriguing series. And I'm, to be honest, I'm just enjoying watching uh, these teams I didn't expect to get this far uh, playing in the conference finals. Yeah. I mean, I asked people yesterday, who do they think is going to go through to the final? Um, some interesting uh, tweets that came back. Where where have I put all these? Uh, one person, Tony Gilbert here, has put... Sharks number one Suns fave versus Bruins number two Suns fave, uh, which would be uh, an interesting uh, debate in their house, wouldn't it? Um, where's the other ones? Abby says uh, she reckons Bruins versus Blues. Uh, Rebian says Blues versus Canes. Uh, Dave Patton against User says Bruins versus Sharks. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm similar to you that I want Canes, obviously not Bruins. And I think that I would quite like Sharks because I want to do it for the, uh, for the oldies. I do want um, Joe Thornton to have his chance. Yeah. I, just, I like that story. Yeah, for sure. There's lots of people, you know, would love to see Thornton win a cup. I just, I just feel like both series are like coin flips. I really, I, you know, if I had to put money um, on a team, I wouldn't know who to, who to choose. I, but I think that's a great thing. You know, you don't, you don't necessarily want, you know, a dominant team um, to, you know, and you could pick them to win their series or win the Stanley Cup. So I just, I think this is good for NHL to have, um, you know, a couple of matchups at either side. I, I wouldn't be surprised if both go, you know, all the way to seven games. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. You know? Even, you know, Brent Burns, I just, um, I noticed, I favorited a tweet earlier that said, he is, um, I think he's up there in the top 10 defensemen, uh, age 34 or over, to record 15 plus points postseason. So there are just so many good stories individually and as a team that it, it kind of it makes it feel like this is turning into like a, it is, this could be a future Netflix series. Forget that Formula One series that was Drive to Survive or whatever. They need one of these for the NHL. It'd be a great season to do that kind of documentary, wouldn't it? For sure. And then you've got, uh, on the other side, you've got a guy like Justin Williams, you know, who's, uh, I'm not even sure how old that guy is now. Uh, you know, he's still he's still out there playing and he's, he's still, he's always been, a, he's 37. You know, he's still out there playing. This might be his last season. You know, there has been some talk online um, that uh, he might he might decide to retire if he, if he wins a cup. But that's a guy who always turns it on for the playoffs. So it's all these little like storylines, you know, that's what I live for. You can, you can keep your NHL awards. I live for these, these really nice storylines that come around in the playoffs, you know, these unlikely players who, you know, you put up a ton of points in the playoffs and then the next season they, they disappear into obscurity. But uh, that's why the playoffs are so great. I do, you know, whilst this has kind of been at the forefront of everyone's minds and, and it is always difficult enough just to keep up with game by game, it gets a bit easier now because there are less 
teams and games to look out for. But I do wonder in the back of my eye, I suppose as a journalist, I'm intrigued by, I wonder what the mood is like for Dallas right now. I wonder what, what they're thinking in Winnipeg, in Nashville, for instance. Um, in Tampa, I'd love to be a fly on the wall of those those meetings right now. Are people angry? Are people disappointed? Are they sad? Are they just straight back on it? Um, that Those are the teams that I kind of want to look out for and see what happens post-season what are you going to do about it you made it that far but then you didn't follow through so what are you going to do next um that part interests me I, well i think the playoffs uh i don't want to say they're a lottery but there is that element of anything can happen so i think if you're if you're dallas you know i mean that series could easily have gone the other way you know they could be they could be in the conference final right now mm. so you know i i'm I'm imagining they're going to be happy with how they're going. You know, a team like Nashville, they didn't expect to go out in the first round. This talk of there's a little bit of talk of whether PK Subban's going to be traded again. But um, you know, do you do you stay the course? You know, do you um, if you're Tampa, do you blow it up? But well, I don't think you do. You've just come off the best you know season anyone's anyone's had in the, in recent history. You know, I think you just need to tinker. But I think. These management groups, I think they they uh, they pull back. They take some time to review, um, see what they can improve upon, and go again. You know, it's sometimes you, your fortunes can, uh, as Vegas will attest, your fortunes can rest on one single play that goes against you. So, I, I think um, I don't think there's too many management groups that, that are going to be making any rash decisions. But I, I think long term, um, I think you'll see maybe the odd team uh, taking a different course, but I don't think you'll see anything too rash or you know any big trades but it'd be great to see if if a team decided you know we we need to take a new direction and does something crazy but um we won't find that out for a few weeks i guess what are you thinking about toronto maple leafs i mean we heard there about john Tavares um getting an injury when he was prepping for the world champs um carl dubas kind of gave a that presser where it was like Okay, is he for or not with Mike Babcock? People calling for Mike Babcock's head. Where's where are your thoughts at with the Leafs and how they move forwards now? Okay, well, well, my head's in a spin about the Leafs right now. It's all it's all still a little bit too fresh. But I think keeping on Babcock is the sensible thing to do. Um, he deserves at least one more year uh, to show what he can do with this group. Um, they obviously the the blue line is is the biggest thing. That's what they need to to you know to get stronger. Uh, they need more depth, more quality depth at uh, that position. Um, so so they're obviously going to look to to improve that. Um, it's obvious um, that there was quite a few guys that were injured uh, at the end of the season. With all the guy, you know, it's like Leafs PR were tweeting out, you know, play it. You know, Travis Dermott's going to be out for six months. You know, John Tavares is out for a month. You know, Jay Gardner's got his back issue, um, and Gardner's going to be, you know, a guy. Are they going to re-sign him? There's so many uh, sort of balls being juggled up in the air right now uh, by Dubas. Um, I, I think it's going to be a very important summer uh, for the Leafs, uh, deciding what what direction uh, they're going to go. They've already signed a couple of players from Europe. You know, taking a couple of flyers and guys. Uh, by all accounts, they were a couple of the best. Um, free agents in Europe available. So, you know, um, 
I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. They, they don't have a first round draft pick, so you know, if this, uh, if there's a player they like, do they decide they're going to make a trade uh, leading up to that? I think there's quite a few unknowns, but keeping back backcourt was always a no, no brainer. Um, I, th- I think as, as it's been a lot written and a lot of people write with the monk much angst after a, you know another playoff loss to Boston. So. I think it's going to be an interesting storyline in the summer for sure, though. Well, how much um, work do you do over summer? You know, right now, as someone who writes about the Leafs, is this a quieter period for you, or is this actually a period where a lot of the stories kind of eke out, and you got to you got to work a bit harder to make sure you don't miss them? Um, to be honest, I don't write too much about the Leafs. I, I write the the odd piece, um, but not too much. Um, my focus is mainly on the Toronto Marlies and the AHL. Yeah. Um, so I kind of, uh, thankfully, the Marlies have uh, been a consistent playoff team for quite a while now. And as I mentioned earlier, they're playing um, Carolina's farm team, which is Charlotte in the Eastern Conference Final. So I have a couple of pieces to write about that. But yeah, I'm, 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 I'm. I'm writing around a couple of times a week articles. I write post-game reviews. So yeah, I'm writing. If I'm, I'm writing every other day, pretty much at the moment because it's playoff time. Um, and I'm I'm going to write some stuff on GB as well. Um, I'm probably going to write some stuff on Liam Kirk. Um, it's going to be a big summer for him and a big year for him coming up. Um, yeah, I'm I'm as busy now probably as I was in October. Um, but uh, once it gets sort of after the draft, that's when I get some sleep, basically. A month of sleep and it's back into hockey in August. <laughs> just tell us, so as people who don't follow the AHL, just give us the names of two or three players that you think that we should watch out for as, as future potential NHL stars. Oh, wow. Uh, if you're asking me league-wide, that's kind of difficult. I need to catch up on that. If you're a Maple Leafs fan... Uh, you should watch out for uh, Timothy Lindegren, who's a, a defenseman, who's had a very good year dis- despite not getting uh, a ton of plaudits. He's playing top line minutes, and I imagine at some point they're going to uh, integrate him into the, the Leafs' the defensive core, uh, a.k.a. Uh, as they did with uh, Travis Dermott. Uh, Rasmus Sandin is another Swedish guy. You notice a theme here. Um, huh. And he's had a He's had a fantastic sort of first year truncated with uh, injury. But um, he's a really promising defenseman, moves the puck really well. Um, he's got good offensive instincts. He still has a lot to learn defensively, in my opinion. There's still some errors being made, but he's a, for, a, for a teenager, he's having a wonderful season. Um, but yeah, I need to see that's another thing. See, that's where I need the time to watch other AHL games and go through video clips and highlights and stuff. It's just not enough hours in the day, unfortunately, right now. <laughs> no, they're good tips. They're good tips. I, I mean, I always feel guilty that I don't watch enough of what's happening around the kind of league. Sometimes it's easy to be a bit tunnel vision and only focus on your team and your games. And if there's anything that doing this podcast has, has made, uh, myself and Jolon as well think about is to think big picture and also think about the layers that come underneath NHL okay where are these people coming from 
and things like the world champs are interesting because that's where people like Kako get to really shine before he kind of steps into the big boy's shoes in the NHL, I suppose. This, uh, all eyes are on him. And if he can get a hat trick in the world champs, people are thinking, well, what can he do in the NHL? It's interesting. Well, there's a, there's a great tweet uh, from Mike McKenna, who's a goaltender. I'm not sure if he's going to retire uh, now this summer. I'm just going to pull it up. And uh, basically, he said something that I've been saying uh, for a long time now, which he's, he's basically spent the majority of his career in the AHL. He's, he's, he's had a, a few sort of bites of the cherry in the, at the NHL level. Um, but someone was uh, talking about Jordan Bennington. He's obviously having a great season uh, with the St. Louis Blues, but it's a guy. I actually write. I actually wrote an article about uh, him last year. Um, someone tweeted to Mike McKenna um, regarding Bennington. Where did this kid come from, and why is he so good? And nobody knew, knew it. Uh, so Mike McKenna responded uh, by saying he came from the AHL, where nearly 90% of NHL talent plays first. He was an all-star there last season, 2018, and also won an OHL championship. Why did nobody know? Because people don't pay enough attention to what's going on in the AHL. I can't say it any better than that. That's incredible. Right, well, uh, we'll find that tweet um, and let's retweet that on our Twitter account. And... um, and also, if you could tag us in a couple of your articles that we can we can retweet, so people who are who are wanting to find out and read more of what you're up to, Mark, I think that would be really helpful uh, because you have great you have great big picture knowledge, um, which really helps people like me as a fan who, you know, does not has not followed for such a long time, just get up to speed and know what to look out for and people to look out for as well in the future. Um, it's really fascinating. Um, if people do want to read stuff and they're not on Twitter or Slack, just tell us what your website is. So if you go to WordPress, um, it's UK Hockey Fan, which is all one word. Um, and I write everything. I, I, I write ECHL, which is a level below AHL, which I also write about. Um, I write about GB. I've written about um, European hockey. There's, there's some uh, elite league stuff on there probably uh, from past few seasons i tend to write on there all about different leagues really um i I wrote some i i did a a series which unfortunately i had to cut short about defunct ahl teams and looking back at uh, history of teams so from when they started out because um there's some there's some interesting stories and interesting logos um going back in time um but yeah if you if you search on wordpress uh, uk hockey fan that's where you can find um, my writings, uh, my own personal writings. Um, if you want to follow my uh, Toronto Marlies and Leafs coverage, you can visit uh, Maple Leaf Hot Stove. Um, and if you click on the Marlies tab on there, you'll find everything I write, all the articles, all the game reviews. Um, and those those guys in general are a great follow. They write. Um, they don't write sensationalist stuff. It's all sort of... Um, it's all on the money. It's it's all getting into the, the nitty gritty and the details of the game without uh, you know, writing this big headline and sort of writing clickbait stuff, which is why I really enjoy writing for those guys. Yeah, and it's free for us to read. Which absolutely, it's incredible because you know as much as I love the athletic, sometimes you want to get into the detail, and not everyone is an athletic subscriber. So here's here's a great alternative. Um, yeah. Mark, it's always great to have you on. I, I always, I really enjoy your your big picture knowledge. Um, hopefully, we can catch up with you uh, as things progress. Um, 
what what do you think who's right now i was kind of thinking about this as i was making my coffee this morning who do we think can we even put a name right now on who we think is going to take the stanley cup oh if i do that i'm going to look an idiot um well, so am i though so am i uh, i mean we've all bollocked uh, up our bracket anyway so uh, okay simply because i oh god oh, this is difficult i i I either want to choose the Blues or the Hurricanes. I'm torn either way. I'm going to go for the St. Louis Blues. There you go. Really? I mean, I actually, I'm going to put the Sharks. Um, I think that they are pulling together. I think they've got the depth, as Paul was talking about. Yep. I think just from watching the highlights against Blues, I'm not sure if Blues are going to do it. Um, and I'd love Canes to get through, but I'm not sure having watched the highlights for Canes versus Sharks, I'm not sure that Canes could overturn Sharks. So I don't know. I'm going to say Sharks, but oh, it's hard, isn't it? We'll both look stupid. It's okay. Yeah, we're both, we're both going to look foolish in a week. So you know, <laughs> either way, you know. So. <laughs> nice one. Okay, have a, have a, um, enjoy watching uh, the GB game this afternoon and, um, and enjoy watching the AHL. Go find that, whatever that game was that went into double overtime. Sounds like it was absolutely mad. I see if you need to watch any more more time for hockey, they go into overtime for you. But hey, that's how it goes, isn't it? Yeah, um, you can never get enough hockey, so it's all good. <laughs> um, if you're listening to this and you want to get a bit more hockey over the next week and you want to talk to us, we're on uh, Twitter, NHL Fans From Afar. You can email us, NHLFansFromAfar at gmail.com. And there you can also... Uh, ask for an invite to our closed Slack group where we have a few other crazy fans who enjoy watching NHL but don't happen to live in North America. And we uh, just have a bit of banter between us. All reasonably friendly banter is uh, how we try and aim it. Uh, but in the meantime, um, I'll be off next week. I'm off to Luxembourg. Joe Lund's in Slovakia. Him and Matt Day, the Dallas fan, uh, will be picking things up and we'll catch up in a couple of weeks. Thanks very much.